0: That's what we want. That's what we desire. That others would see our fellowships, our gatherings, hear the word of God clearly declared and spoken, both from the pulpit and privately to one another and in our common interactions, and declare wow, God is really among these people. God is building them up in a beautiful way. And I wanna join. I wanna worship this God with them. I wanna come grow with them. Welcome back to Midweek Musings. I'm Pastor Taylor Kern, and I'm here with my brother in the Lord and co-laborer, Pastor Daniel Ventura. It's good to be with you, brother.
1: It's good to be here with you too, brother. We just got back from our classes last night, which was a great last couple of days, and it's good to be back in the work here in Ontario, mm. reflecting on the Word of God together. And so, brother, what passage did you preach on last Sunday morning, and what was the main point?
0: So, yeah, we're in a short little series right now, a three Uh, Sunday series as we're unpacking our new mission statement and in order to unpack that first part of the mission statement that we exist here in the city of Ontario to exalt and experience God together we took a look at an interesting passage in 1st Corinthians chapter 14 verses 20 to 25 and in that we found that we exalt and experience God together best in our worship when we engage our minds in the clear communication of God's Word. And why is that? Well, it's because God primarily makes himself known today through his living and active Word.
1: That's right. As a Christian community, we believe God speaks not only in this world, but in his Word is where he speaks to us in a saving way. He speaks to us the gospel of Christ. And in this passage, are there any vivid imagery that helps us to see what God is telling us? Yeah, so he
0: begins this passage in verse 20, with the command that we be not like children in our thinking, but rather be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. As we look into this, he's saying that we are supposed to have that childlike trust in God that we looked at last week from Luke 18, but we are not to have a childish mind before God. As cute as little kids are, All parents want their children to grow up in their thinking, to develop their minds and understanding of the world. We want our kids to be thoughtful and wise as they go out into the world around them. And how much more does God our Father want us, his children, that is Christians, to grow up in their understanding and their thoughtfulness, engaged in God's word. And from this, we learn the importance of engaging our minds in our worship of God, especially when we gather together on the Lord's Day.
1: I love that first point, brother. And I was thinking of Jesus's words in Matthew 22 when he gives us the summary of the law. And the first thing he says, right, is love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, strength, and your mind as well. And you quoted in the liturgy from the Shema as well. And, and there you hear that same word about loving the Lord with our mind. And that's real important when we think about engaging in worship thoughtfully with our with our attention fixed on the word of God. And what we're doing in that moment, we are in God's presence and we're worshiping him. And so we want to engage our mind and our focus, our attention on that reality. That's
0: absolutely right. You know, sometimes people assume that faith is opposed to reason or to thoughtfulness, but healthy faith is really not content, not satisfied with a shallow and cliche grasp of the truth. And lots of American Christians, sadly, seem to be opposed to going deeper in their understanding of God's word in the world. They say that doctrine divides, and then they stop in diving deeper into God's word. It seems like they don't have much hunger or thirst to know more. That's really sad and an unhealthy place for Christians to be. In this text, we see very clearly that God wants our faith to grow up, our minds to be activated, to seek deeper understanding. And it reminds me of back in the 11th century, about a thousand years ago, Anselm of Canterbury said this, I do not endeavor, O Lord, to penetrate thy sublimity, for in no wise do I compare my understanding with that. And so in that we find he's seeing his humble stance before God. He's not trying to ascend up into the mysteries of who God is beyond where our limits should be. Yet he says this, But I long to understand in some degree thy truth, which my heart believes and loves, for I do not seek to understand that I may believe, but I believe in order to understand. And that prayer right there from Anselm is a prayer of healthy faith. And the motto that we gather from Anselm is faith seeking understanding. This is the starting point of Christian theology. We begin with a humble disposition of faith in our creator God. And from that place, we long to understand more about him and more about his word and more about his world.
1: That's a good word, brother faith seeking understanding I love that and that's such a good word because in our culture we're told that we need to figure things out on our own we need to be autonomous in our reason and observation that those things are sufficient to know who we are and to know this world around us and that phrase faith seeking understanding reminds us that the starting point of true wisdom and knowledge is faith in God Mm -hmm. right the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and that's what you're highlighting there for us And why was the Apostle Paul telling the Corinthians this?
0: Yeah, they were actually pursuing the wrong things. They weren't seeking a greater understanding of God, but instead it seems that they were consumed with this search for a greater display of God's power among them. And they were misusing in particular the gift of tongues. In a sense, we can say using that illustration that Paul mentioned earlier about the infant, they were like a child that refused to get out of his crib He wanted to stay in his crib um, and preferred to talk in the babble of baby gibberish, thinking that that was a sign of God's presence among them. But in reality, what was happening in the Corinthian church was incomprehensible chaos. And from the context of the passage, we can kind of piece the puzzle together and see what was happening. They were gathering together on the Lord's Day and multiple people all at the same time would stand up and they were all speaking in different languages and often without interpretation it was not a beautiful orchestra with each instrument playing in its particular order and time and in harmony but instead it was like a cacophony of sound you know like if you go to an orchestra as the musicians are warming up their instruments in the beginning and they're kind of just playing random notes and such and it's all kind of loud Uh, And jumbled together. That's what it was like for the Corinthians and the church there. It wasn't fruitful. It wasn't edifying because the word of God was not being clearly communicated. And in that way, they were totally misusing the gift of tongues. In fact, Paul here, he refers to an old prophecy in Isaiah 28 to show that the gift of tongues was in part a sign of God's judgment on Israel as God turned to speak the gospel to the nations in their languages, God was also turning in judgment against Israel. And his point there is that the gift of tongues was never meant for a long-term growth for the people of God. It was rather intended for that specific stage during the early apostolic era when the gospel was first going out to the Jews and then when they rejected it, then the apostles would turn to the nations. And so the gift of tongues was confined or limited to that specific purpose within the life of the church in that specific era. It was not intended for long-term growth into the future.
1: That's an important reminder, an important teaching point. The Lord did use, right, miraculous gifts of the Spirit during the time of Jesus and the apostles. But as you said, that was to confirm that gospel message that was going forth into the world as the Great Commission was being fulfilled. But now that the church is built upon that foundation of the apostles, we have something even more sure. And I wanted to just read this passage from um, from Second Peter, chapter one, where Peter says this in verse eighteen. First, he says, "We ourselves heard this voice, the voice of God, born from heaven, and we were with him on the holy mountain, speaking of Jesus." But then he says this, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. It's the call of God to the church today to pay attention to that prophetic word that we have in the Holy Scriptures.
0: Second Peter, they're so tied to this text. In that passage, as you're explaining for us, Peter is telling us to not strive after what Martin Luther, the reformer, called a theology of glory, but instead be content with the theology of the cross. And Luther explains how it's very tempting for us to try and bring the glory of God's kingdom down to earth in a visible and manifest way. We want to see signs and wonders, miracles and power. We want to be with Peter and the other apostles there on the mountain and see Jesus transfigured before our eyes. But as Peter tells us, we have something better, the prophetic word. So we ought to caution ourselves from that theology of glory and instead find that God is revealing to us his glory through that prophetic word given to us, which declares to us the gospel, both his law and his gospel. And in that way, we see Jesus through his word all the more clearly in his presence among us. And in fact, when we consider Jesus and how he showed us the glory of God, in his earthly ministry, we see that he primarily showed us the glory of God, where? On the cross of Calvary, where he suffered in weakness. And all throughout the Gospel of John, leading up to the cross, we hear about the hour that awaited him, the hour that was before him, his hour had not yet come. And then in John 17, just before he goes to the cross, we hear Jesus pray, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that the Son may glorify you. And so we find there in that text that the hour of Jesus' suffering was the hour of his glory. And that's key for us because the people during his day, the Jewish people, they didn't want a suffering Messiah king. They wanted a triumphant king, a glorious king in their eyes that would be a revolutionary king to cast out the Romans and establish God's kingdom in its fullness right then and there. And sadly, people don't want to find God's presence today in churches where weak yet faithful preachers stand to read and preach the word of God. Instead, what happens? What do people often flock to? Well, they flock to big churches to find eloquent, motivational speakers that are really polished. And they love the professional musicians, almost like a concert before them. And sometimes people are drawn to the churches where supposedly miraculous healings and other signs and wonders are taking place. Very much like the Corinthians, many people today are hungry for the glory of God's presence, but, like Paul is saying, they are seeking it in the wrong ways. Paul tells us that the Corinthians here, in their search of glory in tongues and other extraordinary gifts, that was out of order. Why? Why? Because it wasn't building each other up, and they weren't really glorifying God. And he points that out very clearly when he says that if someone walks into your church gathering, they're going to end up saying, these people are out of their minds. They're crazy. This cacophony, this chaos, right? God must not be among these people. That's not what we want to happen, right? Instead, we need to engage our minds. And at the end of this passage, as we engage our minds in the clear communication of God's word, in verses 24 to 25, Paul tells us what should happen, what we should long for. He says, but if all prophesy, and from the context we learn that here prophesy is not foretelling the future, but rather speaking clearly the word of God. So if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider happens to come in, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. And that's huge. Paul is saying that God's presence is best made known among us and experienced by us when When we clearly communicate God's word to one another. And again, going back to what we said in the beginning, this ties into our new mission statement as a church. We exist to exalt and experience God together. And how do we do that best? when we engage our minds in the clear communication of God's word. And so, Pastor Daniel, as we're talking about this passage, can you help us flesh out some practical takeaways from this text for us as a church family?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. When it comes to our worship as Christians in the Reformed tradition, right? we do believe that God is working in extraordinary ways, but we, we believe that he works through ordinary means. And we believe God is working through his word, and working through the sacraments and working even through our prayers as God's people. And as we come into worship, even though the worship of uh, our church might be quite simple in its liturgy and in its expression, we wanna remember what God has promised to do in that worship service. He's promised to meet us in his word. And so when we come, we want to prepare our minds and hearts for action. As we come to worship, we don't want to just come hurried or apathetic, but we want to come with an awareness that we are coming into God's presence to receive His Word, and in receiving His Word, we're receiving Christ. Mm. And so we want to come and we want to engage in worship with all of our mind and all of our heart. One parallel passage that you mentioned in your sermon was also Colossians 3.16, which says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Again, one of the ways that that word dwells in us is when we sing God's word, when we tell each other about God's word, as we express our thankfulness to God in our hearts, even through maybe using God's word as as part of our prayers. This helps God's word to find a home in our hearts. And again, God is working through that to make us more like Christ. And brother, how can others in our church as well take advantage of opportunities to grow in God's Word.
0: Here at Ontario URC, we are actively trying to provide opportunities for all people to grow in their faith uh, so that as we have faith, we can all together seek greater understanding. And we have, on Sundays, morning and evening worship services. And unlike most churches, our church is offering two different services with two different messages. And so, We want to feed Christ's sheep. We want to build you up in the faith. Come to our morning worship service. Meditate on the word in the afternoon on Sunday. And then come back at 5.30 for our evening service where we dive in a little bit deeper into doctrine and instruction in the core teachings of the Christian faith. Also, we have lots of other opportunities too that we want to just make people aware of what's out there so that we're all engaged in this, praying for one another as we're all seeking to understand God in his word all the more. So for our children, uh, we can think about how Sunday school classes will soon be starting up. Children, take those classes seriously. Uh, Do the homework that your teachers give you. Listen to your teachers, ask questions. Don't be afraid, the teachers want to engage with you. They wanna hear what's on your heart and in your mind. They wanna help you understand and learn more about God and Jesus and the kingdom of God. And so take those Sunday school classes seriously. Also for young adults, we have in collaboration with First Chino URC, a sister church here locally, what we call the Dew of Zion, this group of young adult Reformed Christians. And we're meeting the first Friday of every month. And we have lectures or lessons from different pastors. And this upcoming one, it's going to be on October 7th. Pastor Daniel, you'll be giving a talk, right? Well, what's that going to be about?
1: That one's on the gospel and human sexuality. So a very important topic to think about together.
0: Great. And then Pastor Daniel, you have another one as well that you're leading for the men. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: That's right. Yeah. Tonight we're actually having one of our meetings. It's a men's fellowship and discussion night on biblical manhood. And we're using a book right now by Richard Phillips called The Masculine Mandate, just hitting some select chapters. But Lord willing, will also hit some other topics as well that are on the hearts of men and have just a free flow discussion um, about those things from God's word.
0: Awesome. In addition, we have our women's Bible study ongoing, the Wednesday night Bible study for the women as they're using Nancy Guthrie's template for looking at biblical theology and tracing themes from Genesis all the way to Revelation. It's a very in-depth study to dive deeper into God's word. In addition to that, we have our Spanish language Bible study that's ongoing on Wednesday nights as well here at the church. We're going through the book of Acts. We're kind of right in the middle of the book. And so if you know anyone who's a Spanish speaker, please invite them to come join us on Wednesday nights. And then another one that's upcoming is our Friday night fellowships, a new season of that. And that first one will be on Friday the 30th of September And the book that we're going to be looking at is Praying Through the Bible by Donald Whitney. And so we'll read two chapters in two weeks, gather together, have a meal together, and then sing some songs and dive into a study of that important topic of praying through the Bible. Uh, These are great opportunities that we as ministers and elders of this church are seeking to provide for Christ's sheep so that we can clearly communicate God's word together as we seek God's presence among us to build us up through his word. What about Pastor Daniel, anyone who might be on the fringe who's been maybe attending on and off, interested in joining our church but not sure, what would you say to them, brother?
1: Well, for sure, come this Sunday morning because we have a sermon on the importance of living in community with each other, mm. that we're we're better together truly as human beings. And um, we have opportunity to learn about that this Sunday. But we want to invite you to just come grow with us. Come on Sunday morning for worship. Come to any of these um, settings that you just heard about. And we would love to see you. We would love to have you there. We would love to help you learn what it means to follow Jesus Christ and to Come on that path of the cross with us. We believe that as we follow Jesus in faith, he does give us that greater understanding. And so we want to invite you to, to come and see how good Jesus is and to experience uh, his power and his grace in your own life. And lastly, brother, as we do conclude this podcast and think about this text, uh, what do you recommend we commit to memory?
0: This week, I don't have a particular verse that I'd recommend we commit to memory, but rather a good desire or in a sense of prayer that we can draw out from verse 24 and verse 25. And it's this, let us communicate God's word clearly to each other so that others will worship God and declare that God is really among you that's what we want that's what we desire that others would see our fellowships our gatherings hear the Word of God clearly declared and spoken both from the pulpit and privately to one another and in our common interactions and declare wow God is really among these people God's Word is richly dwelling among them God is building them up in a beautiful way and I want to join. I want to worship this God with him. I want to come grow with them. So let that be our heart's desire and prayer together as we continue to meditate on this passage and pray that God would work it into our hearts all the more. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to Midweek Musings. We hope that this has been edifying to you as it has been to us. And we'll come back next week and continue our conversation together.